I've titled the message uh, this evening, uh, Three Resolutions or Three New Year's Resolutions. And uh, I know some people uh, speak against the uh, concept of New Year's resolutions um, and with a certain amount of good reason. Um, They tend to last a few days, a week, uh, perhaps a month or so, and then they seem to fall by the wayside so often. But uh, the problem with New Year's resolutions isn't really with the resolutions themselves. It's good to make resolutions, to be resolved to do certain things. There are ways in which we can improve and we should want to. Uh, The problem is in our ability to keep the resolutions. That's where the sticking point is. It reminds me of a story I heard of a a son who called his parents to wish them a happy new year. And his dad answered the phone when he called. And uh, he asked his dad, well, dad, what's your new year's resolution? And his dad answered, to make your mother as happy as I can all year round. And that was his resolution. Uh, But then when his mum got on the phone, her son asked her the same question. What's your resolution? And she answered, my resolution is to see that your dad keeps his New Year resolution. And that touches on the problem, doesn't it? Uh, We might make resolutions, we might start with great enthusiasm, uh, but those resolutions can so quickly fall by the wayside and we need to be encouraged and we need to be spurred on to keep the resolutions. But in in these last few verses of Titus, Paul gives some commands, some resolutions, if you like, which we can take into this new year. Uh, But I want to draw your attention first to the last six words, last five or six words of this letter. Notice what Paul says. He closes with these words. He says, grace be with you all. Amen. Now, it's easy when we read these letters to kind of just skim over those words, isn't it? Uh, Nearly all the letters, I'm tempted to say all of them, I haven't checked, but nearly all of them at least, end with those words or a variation of them. Grace be with you all. And it can be just come um, in our minds, a kind of throwaway comment, uh, like asking someone, how are you? It just becomes a phrase we say. But that's not how Paul means it. Uh, Paul means something when he says to those he's writing to, Titus in particular and others as well, grace be with you all. And we know he means something by it because it's how he started the letter as well. Uh, Look at verse 4 of chapter 1. Paul says to Titus, a true son in our common faith, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Paul starts this letter by saying, Grace be with you, Titus. And he closes this letter by saying, Grace be with you all. Uh, It's bookended with 
grace. Because Paul knows that nothing he says in this letter will bear any fruit in the lives of those he's talking to unless God bestows his grace. And that's really the key to New Year's resolutions as well. Uh, If you try and resolve to do anything in your own strength alone, you will fall flat on your face in the end. We need God's grace. So any resolutions we make, we must make with the knowledge that unless God gives us the strength, we will not be able to accomplish them. But as I say, in these verses, verses 12 to 15, Paul gives instructions, some final closing commandments to Titus and those who are uh, with him. And if God commands us something, we can be confident that he will equip us to do what he commands. Um, Augustine, a famous uh, early church leader, uh, famously once said, um, O Lord, command what you will, but will what you command. And what he meant by that was this. He said, ask me to do whatever you want, but give me the ability to do what you command. I don't mind you commanding me anything as long as you equip me to do it. And God promises to do just that. God will give us all the grace we need to accomplish what he commands us to do. And so I've got three resolutions uh, this evening based in these few short verses uh, to encourage us as we go into a new year to resolve to do as God has commanded us. So let's look at the first command, the first resolution that Paul gives. Look at verse 14. In verse 14, Paul says, And let our people, that's the believers in both Paul's church and in Titus's church and the church all around, He says, let our people also learn to maintain good works. As Paul closes this letter, his chief concern is that the people who listen to him and the people who listen to Titus and Titus and he himself would learn to maintain good works. And if you've been listening to any of these messages in Titus, you know that's really the theme of this letter. Paul has repeated again and again and again that if we have been saved, if God has forgiven us, if God has given us new life in Jesus Christ, then we must be eager to do good. Not because we are saved by our good works, but because we are saved for good works. And again and again in this letter, Paul has reiterated to Titus that God saves us, God redeems us, God reclaims us in order to make us people zealous for good works. Uh, That's why God forgives us. That's why God 
redeems us. That's why God gives us a new heart. That's why God causes us to be born again, uh, in order that we might do good. Uh, He gives us that new heart which wants to do good. Uh, He gives us a new heart that is humble and listens to what he has to say. Uh, He gives us a new heart that hates sin and wants to be rid of it. And Paul is saying to Titus, teach your people, teach those who listen to you to be eager to maintain good works because it won't happen automatically. Uh, You might be forgiven and tempted, uh, forgiven for thinking and tempted to think that because God has given us a new heart, if we're a believer, if we've come to Christ to be saved, uh, and God has given us a brand new heart, you might think good would then come naturally. It will just kind of flow out of us easily. Uh, That is not always the case. Um, It's impossible for a dead person to jump and speak and work and play uh, because they're dead. There's nothing they can do. They are dead. (laughs) But even for a living person, those things aren't always easy, are they? Um, can you jump? Some of us perhaps find it more difficult than others. Uh, we can do it better than a dead person can. Nevertheless, sometimes it is a struggle. Sometimes it's difficult to speak. Sometimes it's difficult to work. Sometimes it's even difficult to play. Uh, just because we have the gift of life does not mean that life necessarily comes easily. And it's the same spiritually as well. God has given us a new heart if we're a believer. We have a new heart. We are born again in Christ Jesus. Nevertheless, we've got to be diligent to uh, stoke that fire that God has put within us. Uh, We need to be diligent to use the life which God has given to us. And just like our physical bodies can be misused and can fall into sickness and into decay... So spiritually, the same is true. And Paul is saying, learn to maintain good works. Don't drift into bad habits. Stoke the life that God has given to you. Be eager to maintain good works. So that's the first resolution for us this new year, 2023. Uh, Are we growing lax in any area? Um, Are we drifting into sinful attitudes in our life? Uh, Are we bitter towards anyone else? Uh, Are we harboring an unforgiving spirit towards someone else? Are we uh, drifting out of love with our spouse or with our children? Uh, Are we coasting in our care of others? Paul says to us, let us learn to maintain good works. Let's examine ourselves that we might seek to do good in the year that's to come, to use the life that God has given to us. So that's the first resolution, maintain good works. Uh, But Paul continues, he doesn't leave it there. Verse 14, let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet 
urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful. Paul says that we should meet urgent needs. This is the second resolution, that we should be eager to meet the urgent needs around us. Now, there are all sorts of good things we could be doing, aren't there? Uh, There are so many needs all around us, so many people with problems and difficulties, and it it can be overwhelming. I don't know if you ever feel like this, but you think, well, well, who should I help? Uh, There are so many problems. There are so many people with needs, and we can feel... um, helpless in the face of such needs. But God is realistic, if I can put it that way. Paul is realistic. Uh, We cannot meet every need. It's simply impossible. If you try, you'll simply burn yourself out and you'll be in need yourself of someone else's help. Uh, It's impossible for us to solve every problem, to meet every need. But Paul says we should seek to meet the urgent needs that are there. Not all needs are as urgent as others. Urgent needs are those which are biggest and those which are closest to us. Uh, There are some big needs far away, but because they're so big, they are urgent and we must do something. There are some needs which are smaller, but they're very close to us, and so they are urgent. Uh, We may have a child who has some small need, but because they are our child, that is an urgent need for us. And Paul says we should be eager to meet urgent needs. First of all, the needs of our immediate families. Uh, Some of us are parents, some of us are brothers, some of us are sisters, some of us are uh, sons and daughters. We all have people around us and we have a special responsibility to those who are closest to us. Uh, That's taught very clearly in Paul's letter to Timothy. Uh, He even says of fathers who do not care for their children uh, and their families that they've denied the faith. (laughs) That's how strongly God sees it. Uh, We have a responsibility to those who are closest to us, our families and close friends. And Paul says we should seek to meet the urgent needs around us when our family are in deep trouble, we should seek to help. When our church family is in trouble uh, and they have urgent needs, we should seek to meet them. Uh, It's no good, is it, if we send money far overseas to people we've never met if our own people around us are struggling. Uh, Yeah, that can somewhat often be the case, can't it? I even see it on the news and people uh, pontificate about all these huge needs on the other side of the world and they can sound very self-righteous and they can sound very concerned people. And yet so often, if you look at their own lives... There are people around them, close to them, who are in desperate need of their help, but they're not interested in that. Uh, How many people come from split and damaged and 
bitter families, and yet they want to help someone far, far away, but they will not hope help those close at hand. Paul says, let's not be like that. Let's seek to maintain urgent needs. Uh, I hesitate to say this, but um, the Bible says pride comes for a fall, but um, I'm encouraged um, at the way we as a church uh, seek to meet the urgent needs of uh, missionaries who come to visit us. Uh, We try to uh, welcome missionaries, especially those who are going out into the field and Um, I'm personally encouraged when I see how generously people in this church give uh, to help such people, and that's good, and that's what we should be doing, uh, to seek to meet those urgent needs of missionaries. Uh, I don't know if you noticed that phrase in verse 13 uh, of chapter 3, where Paul says, "'Send Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their journey with haste, that they may lack nothing.'" That's a beautiful phrase which appears over and over again in the New Testament. Send people on their journey. Um, and it doesn't just mean, you know, boot them out the door. That's not what Paul's saying. What Paul's saying is send them on their journey with what they need. Send them off so that they, when they leave you, they're ready for the mission ahead. Uh, and that's how we should be as a church. Even if we're not going out ourselves... Those who come to us, who visit us, who minister to us, who are going out, we should seek to help them as best we can uh, by providing for them financially if we can, uh, by committing to pray for them, uh, by hearing their prayer reports and sending them messages of encouragement. I was talking to someone just recently who was a, uh, in mission work abroad, and they said that how encouraged they were just by a simple note. Uh, and how discouraged they were when they heard nothing. <laughs> heard nothing from those uh, in this country. And I've got, I know what it's like. Um, I frequently forget about people on the other side of the world. It's out of sight, out of mind. There are many people to think about. But don't underestimate the value of just a little message, a little message of encouragement, a little message of support saying you're praying for someone. Uh, that is all part of sending people on their journey, supporting and helping them, meeting their needs, not just financial, but emotional needs as well. I'm sure missionaries here uh, amongst us can testify to the encouragement that is. And that's the attitude Paul is saying we should have. Uh, Eyes open to the urgent needs around us, to the Needs close at hand, which only we can deal with, but also to the big needs around us in God's kingdom that we might meet urgent needs. So that's the second resolution. Now, the first one was to be eager to maintain good works. The second one is to uh, seek to meet urgent needs. Uh, but thirdly and lastly, uh, and I've cheated a little bit here because Paul doesn't say this explicitly um, in in verse 14, but he touches on it in verse 15. Uh, In verse 15, Paul says, All who are with me greet you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Uh, The third resolution for us this year is to seek to welcome 
others who love us in the faith. Uh, In essence, what Paul is saying is exactly what Christ said to his disciples, that they should love one another as Christ loved them. Uh, The church is very fragmented, isn't it? Uh, There's all sorts of different flavors of church out there. Uh, Go to any village, any town in this country, and you'll see all sorts of different types of churches. Um, And that isn't completely a bad thing. Um, We're told about the early church, how they were scattered because of the persecution. And because they were scattered... Uh, the gospel spread further. More people heard the good news because of the scattering of the church Um, and because of the scattering, if you like, of churches in this country. Lots of people hear the gospel when they would not have heard it otherwise because of the different sorts of churches that are out there. But tragically, of course, there is a downside. The downside is that there's lots of uh, suspicion. A rivalry, envy, a snobbery between churches, isn't there? Uh, people looking down their nose at another church who doesn't do it exactly the same way that we do. And you can see those tensions and those suspicions that can happen in the church. Now, of course, to be clear, Paul has already made it clear to Titus that we should resist lies. Uh, not all churches that call themselves churches, are churches. Uh, They don't preach the Bible. They don't preach Jesus. Uh, They might have a cross on their window or in their sign, but they don't teach what the Bible teaches, and they don't deserve to be called churches. Uh, Many people call themselves Christian who do not follow Christ, Uh, They do not have God's word as their authority. They're not truly trusting in Christ. And Paul's clear that we must beware people who are sheep in wolves, wolves in sheep, wolves in sheep's clothing. Uh, Not everyone is as they say they are. Not all churches are as they say they are. We need to be cautious. We need to be careful. But it's also true that we need to be eager to welcome those who truly are believers. Uh, We need to do both, resist lies, but also welcome truth. Um, There are two sorts of dangers. Uh, You can be a shepherd who is a bit over keen uh, to welcome the sheep and they welcome in lots of wolves at the same time. They keep their sheepfold gate wide open and they let anyone come in because they're so eager to welcome sheep. But at the same time, they welcome in wolves who hurt the sheep. But there's another danger. The other danger are shepherds who are so eager to shoot the wolves that the sheep get caught in the crossfire. And again, sheep are hurt. Uh, Trustfully, you can see that both problems happen in the church. Some people are too eager to shoot, and some people aren't eager enough. Paul says we need to love God's sheep. And we love God's sheep by resisting lies, but welcoming the truth. And that's why Paul says in verse 15, All who are with me greet you. Greet those who love us in the faith. 
We should have open arms to people who truly believe God's word, to people who are truly trusting in Christ, to those who truly love him. Uh, We should have warm, open hearts to them, not cynical, suspicious, snobbish hearts, but hearts which want to welcome them, which want to greet them. Uh, That's part of the reason why uh, we like to have our joint prayer meetings, which uh, thankfully started again uh, end of last year, and uh, trustfully we'll have more joint prayer meetings uh, this year with uh, Louth Evangelical Church and Lincoln uh, Evangelical Church and uh, other churches with them as well. Uh, Because we want to welcome, we want to greet those who also love the gospel. We want to unite together. We want to welcome those who love Christ as we do. And that's important because that sends a message. That sends a message to people that we are truly Christ's disciples. That's what Christ said, wasn't it? By this will all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. So let's make that our third resolution this year, to seek to love God's people. First and foremost, those within our own church, but also those outside of our church who truly love Christ. Let's seek to greet them and love them as best we can. And that's what strikes me about Paul's heart whenever you read his letters. I don't know if you ever noticed this. Uh, But he's always so eager to mention individuals, to see individuals, to have individuals visit him. Uh, All the way along, he's always talking about how much he loves the people around him. Just look at verse 12. Uh, In verse 12, he says, When I send Artemis to you, or Tychicus, be diligent to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do you hear what he's saying? He says, be diligent to come to me, at Nicopolis. Paul's saying, I want you to come. I want people to visit me. I love God's people and I love it when they see me and I love it when I see them. He had a warm heart of love by, for God's people. So those are the three resolutions this evening. Uh, trustfully, by God's grace, uh, we'll be able to accomplish them. Firstly, to be eager to maintain good works, to not drift into bad habits, but to maintain good. Uh, Secondly, to seek to meet the urgent needs, especially those who are close to us, but also the big ones further afield. And lastly, let's seek to love God's people, wherever they might be, to greet them in the truth. And with those thoughts in mind, I've chosen as our last hymn, number 374. 374. And this is really uh, a prayer to God that he would give us his grace, that he would bestow on us all his help, all his equipping, and all his grace as we seek to obey him in the year to come. So it's 374. O breath of life, come sweeping through us. Revive thy church with life and power. O breath of life, come cleanse, renew us, and fit thy church to meet this hour. So we'll stand to sing 374.